interesting, occasionally interesting. They are occasionally interesting. It's interesting that everybody seems to have an instinctual nature to turn the mic on and off. I wonder. Is everybody very familiar with handling microphones? I think it's like just right there, like a trigger. Uh. All right, so I have a list of questions that I wrote before we started the podcast that were topics I thought I wanted to talk with you about. Um, Let's see, I have drugs for mental healing. A lot of these we've already talked about that have come up naturally with guests. Drugs for mental healing the same way that is done for physical healing. Love languages. Why do you like to play the devil's advocate? Western society makes it feel irresponsible not to worry and stress. Code, or why not view everything from a lens of love, hope, and compassion? Because it seems crazy and irresponsible in our culture. Codependency versus healthy involvement. If everyone you know told you something you knew to be true was wrong, what would you think? Radical honesty. Blind spots. Why is being better than someone the ultimate insult? Crying like a baby. I don't know what that's in reference to. It actually says crying like a Q baby, but I think I probably meant A baby. Uh, so do any of those uh, spark an interest in you right now? All of them. Really? Let's start. I'm most interested to see what your answer is off the bat of why do you like to play devil's advocate? Is that something that you've always done or is that something you've cultivated with age since i was three minutes old you were born a small black child (laughs) where are you going i think that i like to play devil's advocate because i like to progress the conversation at a particular pace and I think the quickest way to do that is to help somebody run through what I consider to be the best argument and part of that is giving the <clears throat> the other side in the in the, in what I consider to be the best light. Can you think of I mean in as far as you know have you always been doing this or I'm sure I haven't always been doing this, but I think I've been doing it for a very long time. I think that the majority of conversations that have become more mainstream were things that I've been interested in. And therefore, I was doing a lot of debating within my own mind um, to come to the conclusions that I've eventually come to. And part of that was... You know, searching for inconsistencies in my own viewpoints and then trying to either explain why they're there or modify my viewpoint to eliminate them. Um, and I find that most people, a lot of people tend to gravitate towards more superficial or less meaningful versions of arguments that are irrelevant or misleading or missing the point and in order to not get bogged down in 
correcting them, it's easier to say, well, here's this point, and here's this counterpoint, and here's the counterpoint to this point, and here's the counterpoint to that point, and here's where the actual problem lies of this is where the actual argument is. Do you think you're, are you a devil's advocate in your own head when you're trying to figure out where your stance actually lies? Yeah. So you, it's always, you're, you're having this, this tennis match in your own head of like the back and forth, uh, to see what answer ultimately comes out as the winner. Yes, for sure. Fascinating. I think I do that a little bit, but I'd say by and large, that's very, unique and awesome about you i mean i think it's what makes you a great uh i don't want to say arguer what's like a nicer way to say arguer conversationalist (laughs) but it's not just conversationalist i mean like you're 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 very compelling and i think you're very good at getting people to get a little little unstuck unstuck and open their minds a bit to different things much more than the average person i think i mean certainly a part of being a devil's advocate and something that's in your nature is trying to understand something from all viewpoints simultaneously so probably people are feeling somewhat seen that you're able to understand their argument and therefore they're safe to consider consider other options well, thank you. I take that as a tremendous compliment. I mean, it's not always easy. I don't think, I think it's impossible to really get anywhere if you don't understand where somebody else is coming from. Uh, you know, people generally, by and large, are just trying to make sense of the world and they they come to conclusions. And if you can't understand how they came to that conclusion, how can you ever persuade them that there's a better conclusion out there. That's very logical. Uh, kind of, uh, well, this segues a little bit to my, to something else I had on this list is blind spots. I, I'm pretty, I'm fairly aware of a decent amount of my own blind spots. Are you aware of any in yourself? This isn't pointed because like, I can't really think of any for you, but I'm not saying you don't have them, but like nothing jumps to mind. I'm sure that I have some. But it's pretty easy for you to think of what my some of my blind spots are, right? Of like areas where it's just like I, I don't, I don't necessarily see things, or it's a lot harder for me to piece things together. I feel like there's yeah some pretty obvious areas where you've helped me try to grow and fill in my blind spots a bit more, but I still certainly have them. Yeah, I mean, I think there's things that I. So, you know, podcast we just talked about, we had talked a lot about intuition. And I think that intuition is the birthplace of blind spots. Which, you know, intuition is a sort of double-edged sword. Because it's, it's sort of inherently not based in logic, or at least overt logic. It's based upon assumptions and feelings that we take to be meaningful and that's what's ultimately going to lead to accepting something without fully thinking it through which is where blind spots lie is when you've missed something because you haven't given it the consideration that it necessarily deserves because you feel as though you're right or 
or I feel it for most part with me it's not it's not coming from a place of starting of feeling like I'm right it's this other perspective just fundamentally doesn't occur to me to the extent that it's very difficult to imagine it or relate to it but I get once once someone is a, a bit aware of their blind spots how do you recommend filling those in other than getting a Trevor <laughs> curiosity I think that there's a whole wealth of information and, 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 and I guess people sometimes have intentional or like not necessarily consciously intentional but intentional blind spots yeah. in order to you know protect themselves from stuff they don't really want to know like uh, again a podcast that we just recorded but it's not going to come out for a few weeks we talked a bit about um I talked about how how it it basically never occurs to me that older men could be attracted to me because I am not looking at them as sexual beings. And so I'm just assuming to the extent where, that it's not even a thought that they're not looking at me as sexual as a sexual being. And that's certainly a blind spot. Um, and I'm sure that is coming entirely from a place of self-protection. But it's not like... It's not, I don't know. It's not exactly like willful ignorance. It's just straight up like it doesn't, it doesn't occur to me. It doesn't cross my mind. Like something has to happen to remind me that there is another perspective. It doesn't occur to me naturally. And it's not, I mean, and curiosity doesn't really seem like the answer to that. I think, I think that there's curiosity still could be the answer to that. It just depends on what you're curious about. Um, if you're curious about somebody's motivations for doing their actions that you might not even thought to been questioned. Um, yeah, that's, that's definitely one thing that I always sort of ponder is why somebody's doing what they're doing, you know, why they're saying something the way they're saying it. And, you know, what's the underlying motivation there? And if you were more curious about that, it would at least open the door to the several possibilities as to why this person could be behaving in a friendly manner. And that would lead, you know, there's one of the obvious possibilities is that they want something from you. Uh, and what that, you know, so you, you know, going down those rabbit holes... One of those possible answers is obviously sexual or you know, a whole list of other answers. Probably several of those possible answers are correct. And then through further investigation or curiosity into what those motivations are would bring to light what, which one of those possibilities is the most correct. How do you think, in general, people who might not be naturally as curious as you or I could cultivate curiosity and therefore cultivate a better, more well-rounded perspective on everything. How do you cultivate curiosity? That's a great question. 
allow yourself to experience wonder. I mean, to do mushrooms. That's what you're saying. (laughs) (laughs) I think that's one way. I certainly, I certainly do. I mean, I, I think that as, as you know, I think that you can cultivate curiosity or interest in, in anything. I, I guess listen to episode seven with my dad for uh, more on that argument. <laughs> yeah, I mean it's just it's. There's I think there's a number of reasons why people put up blocks against certain subject matters that they then are no longer curious in. Uh, I think the more typical examples like history or mathematics Math, yeah. or you know it's you know, it's just I'm like. Uh, there's been life experiences that have taught them that this is not going to be interesting. Or that you're not going to easily excel in this. Yeah, therefore it's not worth your time, or it's not, which is a shame. I mean, to limit yourself in any capacity of that nature. And it's not to say you need to devote your life to mathematics or history or whatever the thing is. It's just saying, like, when that subject matter becomes relevant to your life, that you don't allow yourself to explore how explore it at least as far as it is that it relates to you and so how about things for that are more emotionally charged than that like understanding i mean cultivating curiosity about somebody who has a different viewpoint than you on politics on abortion on trans rights and uh, these things that are, are fairly emotionally charged divisive things how what are what are steps that people can take to like letting their own guards down and seeing it as an exercise in curiosity and not being afraid that they're going to like lose sight of their values well i think that's a loaded question i mean i think i think you're i mean my 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 gut reaction is like a you know sm- few word answers is a stop being self-absorbed mm-hmm. um well, I, think, I think i think, I think people probably feel like threatened of yes. like i mean like you know certainly i i it comes to mind of like people talk about vegans a lot as like the the very uh what do i want to say i don't know like kind of like dictator in nature of just being like my way or the highway, like this is the only right way, and I have like the highest morals and all of that. And to attempt to truly have curiosity and empathize and try to relate to making the conscious decision to eat animals, uh, that might feel really threatening to their way of life to their morals and it's like how do you how do you get yourself out of that headspace of feeling threatened to consider other viewpoints well i think the people who are threatened to understand other viewpoints it's really coming from a place of insecurity and self-doubt and to have that mindset questioned then is troubling because it's something that you've thrown all your chips in with you've 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 created a lifestyle around a belief and if you're asked to question that that's terrifying because then 
your whole life might then need to change, and change is terrifying for us as humans. Why? It's uncomfortable. We like, there's comfort in repetition. Don't you feel like we've changed a lot since we've gotten together, and hasn't it felt pretty fucking good, a lot of it? Nope, not at all. It's felt fucking terrible. No, I, I think I think that we bring out the best in one another. I don't know if that's necessarily changed. I think I think in the areas where we have changed, there's usually been some sort of uncomfortableness that's caused us to to make changes to grow. I don't know, maybe yeah, but I've been comfortable. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I no, I feel like I've 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 changed I, but a lot of it wasn't where it was this stuff what I'm talking about right now. It wasn't like I was vegan. You convinced me to eat meat. It, it was areas that I'm saying more like blind spots of like I didn't realize that I was, I don't know, immature or like something in a certain area. And then either by leading by example or or getting me to consider things from different perspectives. I was able to grow myself and it's not like change from one side of the coin to the other. It's that like an absence of something and then I grew. And that is not uncomfortable. I don't know. I mean, I I would say by and large, I agree with the saying that, you know, change happens when you're uncomfortable. Um, and you should listen to our episode with Fred slash my quote about about you. Do you remember that at all? Refresh my memory. I have it written down. Give me one second. In past romantic relationships that have had a lot of hardships, there has been a lot of growth and learning from those learning from the bad parts. I think that's really important. I think it's a good perspective to be like, okay, bad things happen. What can we learn from it? But I never would have thought or considered that now being in this incredible partnership that is good, how much more exponential and positive my growth feels. We really don't hear much about how you grow from the positive experiences, from having this person, this wonderful partner to learn from, to reflect with, and to be given the space and encouragement to grow into the best version of myself. I had no idea that there could be this much and this variety of growth from something wonderful. That's about you. From me. Okay, yeah, I think that is, that's... I'm trying to think if there's any aspect to that growth that is still... challenging or... or I see all kinds of, I mean, I, obvi- there's some obvious ones where there was uncomfortableness, like drinking, where there was a big change, but then there's less obvious, less dramatic change of things like, you know, I I know you, I see you, of things like previously where I might have been acting in a certain mood previously, you may have gotten like upset with me, and now you make the very conscientious, intentional decision to show me love in a moment where I'm acting crazy or bitchy or something instead of being like, what what the fuck? You, you'll give me a, a really nice kiss or say something nice to me. And like, that's certainly an area where you've changed and grown and it's all like towards love and towards positive. And it's kind of hard for me to imagine that that felt 
hard or bad for you that that change i mean like i can tell it's an intentional thing that you're you're thinking about and doing on purpose and growing times yeah, i guess you, i mean you could still say that that is that is you know a challenge to to have a a natural inclination to do one thing and then to to shift course requires effort and energy and that expenditure of that energy is thus a challenge but is it uncomfortable i mean you could say that the expending of any energy is taxing (laughs) But I mean, see, I I think that depends on the scales that you're talking about. I mean, small incremental change or growth that happens over you know a longer period of time that that's a you know growth sort of usually is a, a slower, more persistent type of evolution. But what we were just talking about is more of a reality slap in the face of my entire belief system might no longer apply to me anymore and that's yeah so is is that ultimately what the difference between change and growth is change is having to like either give up or totally modify your belief system and growth is what (laughs) a more slow evolution of who you like the direction it's not necessarily a violation headed. of anything yeah, that you'd already like you're already going to that that destination and you're just sort of getting there <coughs> excuse me at a particular speed or or in a better way in a better way in a more healthy way and that's always going to be a bit more usually slower but also less terrifying but when you've realized that the way the direction that you were growing in needs to change that's a whole different sort of ball game of uncomfortableness and a bit of a different conversation i think the way that they're they're interrelated is an interesting idea to consider which is why i've been taking longer to answer than trying to kind of relate those two um but yeah i I think it's 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 difficult to convince people that the way that they think is not always the best way. And the only way I've done it is to be able to take both sides and and give a better better argument for the person's side that they were thinking, and then be able to say how that better argument is in fact not the best argument to be had. And that's that's very still very rarely effective for the other person you need to have a particular type of relationship in order for it to be effective otherwise it still is just sort of mind-numbing um but it's that's the only way i've been even been that i've discovered that's really even somewhat tolerable to have conversations with people who disagree with you is to be able to be like yeah, I understand exactly what you're saying and where you're coming from, and then here's another version of that argument, and here's why that logic is not necessarily accurate. Can you think of 
or I'll say for myself, I think the main area where I don't know about exactly if I've changed changed people, but I think more help people to grow is things like environmentalism, but mostly in the way of like informing people, leading by example, trying not to be obnoxious about it, trying to be happy and focus on the benefits and just, you know, be wear it on my shirt as much as possible, what I'm doing and, and why and, and trying to be non-threatening about it. And I think I've a lot of, a lot of people in my life have grown much more environmental due to my influence. Um, is there any particular area that you think people have grown to because of you? I hope I've convinced a couple of people to vote. Other than that, I'm kind of like, yeah, but if you don't know what the fuck you're voting about, maybe that's not a good idea. Um, I don't know. Like I said, like it's it's I'm fully aware that it's really difficult to change anybody's mind. I don't really ever enter into a discussion expecting that to happen. Um, I generally, if I'm having a conversation, that's that's controversial it's more of me just kind of curious about the way that other people that that person comes to conclusions not even necessarily about the topic at hand just the way that their thought process works uh i think again that's just more for my benefit because i know that in all likelihood the conversation is going to be fruitless like you know because most of those kind of like like when you have those kind of conversations with somebody, it's like, yeah, at least you, you said that most people don't think this way. I think that's I don't know how, I don't know how else anybody would else would think, but it's like I remember being there. I remember having like like thinking the way that they've thought, and then being like, wait a minute, like that doesn't. There's some inconsistencies that I can't resolve, so let me go a step further. Otherwise, I'm just gonna drive myself insane. I need to know. I need to know what the right answer is here. Like. Yeah, but a lot of people are just like, I know what the right answer is, end of story, because I think it's right. I mean, I, I, I think that's, that's such a terrible attitude to have. Like, even as, like, the way I'm saying, like, these things, like, I'm saying it as though, like, I, like, but I'll, I don't, there's very few things that I feel like I know. Like, Oh, man. And that's another reason why I like. <laughs> I feel like I know so many things. <laughs> I mean, but that's another reason why I like the devil's advocate is because I I feel like my belief system is is always constantly evolving, and therefore it, you need to be able to take both sides of an argument into consideration in order to continue to grow, because inevitably you're gonna you're gonna have come to the wrong conclusion about some things and. Unless you're open to those other possibilities. Does it have to be the wrong? I mean, okay, I keep going back to this whole vegan thing. I was a vegetarian, a strict vegetarian for 11 years. And then I read The Omnivore's Dilemma and moved to Ithaca, New York, where there is a lot of com compassionate, humanely raised animals. And I also started having some health problems and doctors were really encouraging me that I needed to eat some meat. So I did. I started eating meat. I found uh, something that would work with my morals. I read The Omnivore's Dilemma, and it made me open my mind um, a bit. 
But none of that led me to believe that my 11 years as a strict vegetarian was the wrong decision. I think it was absolutely the right decision. And I don't think that it's the wrong decision now to be eating a little bit of meat where I can, where it aligns with my morals and standards. Um, I think all versions of this is the right decision. Well, it certainly is true that there are truths that are situational. What was the original question? I don't know. <laughs> um, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm a firm believer in this particular topic that protein, especially animal protein, is a superior protein unless you really know what your body needs and have the means and the ability to gain those amino acids in the appropriate quantities from a plant-based diet which is possible but it's really fucking hard and that you'll be more healthy if you eat animals and you'll be the most healthy if you eat animals that are humanely raised and because those animals will be eating the right things as well yes exactly Um, and not having terrible stress hormones yeah and and i mean what's the right decision you're like this is a complicated calculus of value systems and right but i oh i wanted to say of you know one of the standard questions that we ask our guests on every podcast is what's the most unrealistic thing you believe in i have lots of like lovey answers towards you but i think the main thing other than that is i know it's completely unrealistic i'm so aware of this but still for the most part i believe that Anybody who disagrees with me just hasn't been given the right information yet because it's so hard. I can't wrap my mind around the idea that somebody could be given the same information that I'm given and they would come to a different conclusion than me. (laughs) I mean, like, how could anybody come to a different conclusion than to eat animals that are humanely raised if they knew everything? Would somebody really consciously choose the decision to eat animals that had been as abused as possible and that were bad for their health to eat and bad for the planet and all of these negative effects. And of course, there's the argument you can make of whatever money, but there's there's lots of even ways there's around that. There's other arguments as well. I mean, our, our food production, our industrialized, horrifically treated animals create cheap food that feeds I just said cheap I just said money billions of people but it's not just you but know, I mean like on an individual basis of somebody making a personal decision for themselves all things like whatever but so the decision doesn't necessarily in their mind play out like let me go eat this meat that's been tortured it goes I have the choice between taking a bus for 45 minutes and then transferring to another bus for another 30 minutes to get to the grocery store to buy fresh produce that may or may not be organic that's going to cost 10 times as much as me going to the burger Burger King right around the corner. And when you look at that argument from that situation and now you start to weigh in, well, okay, so now you're taking like two hours out of their day that could I mean, how been, relevant are food deserts in 2019 where Am- Amazon are, is delivering produce and other very, groceries very everywhere. relevant 
because same people in these food deserts cannot afford to order Whole Foods from Amazon. I'm not saying fucking Whole Foods. And also, I mean, Eric, an upcoming podcast guest, my ex-boyfriend worked at Aldi, which is a super cheap grocery store, and he really got to see the inner workings of like what that means and that you know well over half of the customers at Aldi are using food stamps and that he was just absolutely horrified that they were all spending their money on like soda bottled water um and like oreos like that type of stuff they weren't buying food food that was the same price or cheaper like actual food as I mean, they're still buying. They're buying fucking bottled water. I mean, we lived in Ithaca. There's perfectly. It's free, good, healthy water from the sink. And they're buying bottled water with food stamps. There's reasons for that too. I mean, advertising is potent. Again, so th- my thing is that people haven't been given the correct information, and if they were all given the same information that I would have, they would come to the same conclusions. Again, all things being being equal, the conclusions about about that choice. If you're not, if you have the option in front of you to choose between these two things, I mean, maybe this is a particularly ridiculous example, but it's the one that is in my mind, so it's hard to think of other things that I strongly believe in. I, mean, I guess that everything with the environment in general, being like every stance I have on environmental issues, it's just impossible for me to wrap my mind around the idea that. Somebody could be given all the same exact information that I could be given. They could come to an opposite conclusion. But I know that it happens all the time. And, you know, I guess this all, some of some of it comes back to the horseradish revelation um, of stuff like... <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, there's also, yeah, like somebody could value this Oreos much more than you can. And, like, I, I fucking love Oreos. <laughs> I I'm know. sure that if I, I would spend a portion of I, my food stamps I, this on, is, on I made Oreos an Instagram post on this for Dan's episode of, of a quote from from last week's episode where I was just like, what the hell are you guys talking about? I said, Dan and Trevor had a talk about how Oreos are a perfectly engineered treat and Jen was very confused. I said, I haven't had an Oreo in a really long time. Do they change something? What are you guys talking about? I'm still they are, so man. confused. They're, they're... Like my memory of Oreos well, that's is also like, thing. I mean, like cardboard they... sugar. Oh no, they're 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 perfectly formulated to have the like the right consistency. So when you bite, it's got the crunch and then, like the the amount of icing. Now, we got to call Dan. He's he'd be delighted to join in on this. I mean, you know, but that's that's again, it's a different value system. So people are always going to have different value systems than you. They're going to appreciate different things and sometimes that's like sort of not as consequential as other things like you know appreciating oreos than more than a salad you know that might have larger health implications down the line but again could they could they possibly be given all of the same exact information yeah, I, I started this by I, saying okay, so this is the instance, most unrealistic thing I believe in, but I, it's still I, I probably have relatively similar amounts of information about Oreos as you do. But I still really like Oreos. I don't care that they're not healthy for yeah, me. But you don't eat I still them. really like cigarettes. I mean... <laughs> I think we have similar information about <laughs> cigarettes, but you know what? Fuck it, I like cigarettes. Yeah, I guess that is all horseradish revelation stuff of like, you just have a different makeup than me where my... I don't know, we were, we were out with uh, friends 
yesterday night and one of our friends was saying who works at the kung fu retreat in town as a he's a kung fu instructor he spends his days exercising meditating eating healthy food at the retreat and he's saying therefore he has to he has to smoke cigarettes he has to have these vices because he can't be 100 percent good to himself i was like what why I mean, I think the way that he was presenting that argument was a little lackluster, but I think that, that he does have a point. I mean, going back to the Oreo example, I, I think that Oreos are not healthy. Your diet should not be can primarily consisted of Oreos, and it would be terrible, and it would be terrible for your health. But I think the health benefits of giving yourself a treat and enjoying an Oreo and the endorphins and dopamine and all that good stuff that's released in your body and that positive feeling that's associated with enjoying this tasty treat has a benefit and having oreos once a month could i would argue improve your health i oreo I if you want to sponsor us but i guess go right ahead. no i guess i don't i don't do not sponsor us um i agree in principle certainly but i part of the information that I've been given is not just about health consequences. It's what's, what companies do I want to support with my voting dollars, and Nabisco is not one of them, that there is a great alternative. Newman's own O's is the is a replicate of Oreos. Again, I haven't had Oreos, honestly, since probably middle school, so I couldn't really tell you what the actual comparison is, but I think Omen's, Newman's O's are great, and they it's a there it's a every time you buy it it's going to support a charity it's going to support all of this really good environmental practices and farming and whatnot and it's like supposed to be pretty much an identical treat and it's healthier for you the things going into it are not as chemical laden and that in general i totally believe in giving yourself treats but I don't think that all standards should go away when you have treats. And I think that a lot of that, I don't know, addictive behavior and different stuff comes from thinking that you, when you're giving yourself a treat, that it needs to be a guilty treat. And that, you know, that I would absolutely advocate for buying a couple incredible chocolates at a chocolate store for the same price that you could buy three bags of Reese's at CVS and delighting in those gourmet chocolates and indulging yourself in that experience. I totally agree, but at the same token, I don't feel guilty when I eat a fucking Oreo. I don't feel guilty when I eat a Reese's cup. I would really enjoy Reese's cups. Do I want Reese's cups every day? No. But, like, might I eat a healthy version of a Reese's cup? Yeah. But if I really want a Reese's cup, I'm also going to enjoy a Reese's cup. You know, I I do agree with you that I think that you should put your money where your mouth is and not support companies that destroy the environment or have unhealthy practices. Or yeah, these are all know. companies that I am not comfortable touching under any circumstances. I mean, I've never been in a circumstance where I'm like legitimately starving and it's a Reese's or nothing. But I've been in lots of circ. I mean, like you know, I, I lived in L.A. I was working on film sets. There's crafty table. There's tons of times where I was really fucking hungry, and I was a stubborn bitch who refused to eat Twizzlers and Reese's and I would hold out to be able to go buy a granola bar from somewhere else at lunch. Well, the other thing too is, I mean, more often than not, a lot of these companies are cheaper than their more healthy alternatives. And Yeah, but that's part of what I'm saying of, of if you're buying 
whatever, three really fancy chocolates from the farmer's market from like this chick who makes them and he'll yeah, blah, blah, that's blah all for well one and good bag of if you're not getting you know a fair like if if your caloric intake isn't being like actually like sustained through oreos you know you can't just be like oh well just just eat a third of the calories but have it be a good oreo you know like that's although probably the same people that are doing it would actually really benefit from that but you know there's a lot of ways that can lead people to come to different conclusions and have both of you be right given your own unique circumstances. You know, it's it's easy to, to see how that would be crazy when you're talking about like so it seems a political like pretty much argument everything or, boils down to money though. If you don't have money, then you don't have the luxury of having choices, of having morals that you stand by all of this stuff if you do have enough money you can afford to have morals i'm reluctant to say that's the only variable but i think that's definitely a predominant one no other variables come into my jumping to my mind right now but i'm sure there are other ones but yeah i would say by and large money is a dominating factor absolutely it definitely changes your circumstances to make the calculus behind choices different, even with information being equal. Yeah. Well, information's not really equal. No, it's not. Never will be. That's part of the problem. Um, but again, that's also related to money because you don't have the... Yeah, you went to a good high school and a good college and, and all took money and that, you know, it's, it's, everything's kind of related to money in one way or another. I hate that. I don't like that one bit. Yeah, it's a problem. It's, yeah. Yeah. But there would always be scarcity of resources, and that's really that's the problem with money. It's not money; it's the problem. It's the scarcity of money. It's a problem, honestly. No. Because even if everybody had money, they'd still choose to stand spending on stupid shit. It's the reality. So it's. It's certainly not the only obstacle we're facing here, but it certainly is an obstacle. I guess, so if you were at a store and the healthy Oreos are the same price as the bad Oreos and they were next to each other, what would you do? If you were there, I'd buy the healthy Oreos. And if I wasn't, you would buy the bad Oreos? I don't think I'd even notice the other ones next to it. Because you're so conditioned by the packaging? Probably. Uh, well, I appreciate my. Uh, it's not like I'm not. I'm not, I'm not buying a chocolate cookie with a delicious frosted filling. I'm buying an Oreo. Isn't it a mm-hmm. vanilla filling? I don't know. Frosted filling. We definitely, we spent the last two episodes really talking about Oreos. <laughs> I, um, I have some bad news for you and the listeners. 
I hope that it makes everyone feel really guilty and that it makes them do what we asked the next time. I got an email from Amazon this past week that we didn't get enough qualifying orders in our first six months or something of having our Amazon affiliates account, so we've been canceled. Now, if they'd went and bought Oreos. Or Newman's Or Newman's that's right. How does that make you feel? I'm not surprised. I didn't think that was a viable uh, revenue stream. Yeah. Rude. It's a shame, though. We'll have to come up with something else. Indeed, and hopefully our listeners will be yeah, more listeners. supportive next Your time now that they know that they failed us once. <laughs> Yeah, Look what you shits. did, you little jerk. All right. Any that reference? No. Home Alone. Uh, I haven't seen Home Alone since, I, since the 90s. No, I make that reference all the time. I don't think you've ever told me that it's from Home Alone. No. Yeah, I've just been going around saying, Look what you did, you little jerk. Yeah. <laughs> In a like... weird accent. <laughs> just randomly, often. But... None of this would be out of character for you. Or maybe half of your characters from quotes that I'm not getting that I'm thinking is original Trevor content. True. To to be determined, to be seen as you reveal yourself over time, that all of your comedy is not original. But I just don't know any references. That's right. That's why I make a perfect match. Because <laughs> I think you're mm-hmm. hilarious. Yeah. And <laughs> Perfect match because it's the only reason, <laughs> only one. Oh, <laughs> Chewy. I know. <laughs> as soon as I said all, I thought about Chewy too. Uh, okay, let's wrap this up. Uh, thanks for thanks for being on the occasionally interesting podcast today, Beba. Thank you for being on the occasionally interesting podcast today, Beba. <laughs> Good work. Don't go shop with our Amazon link anymore. It's still on the website. I guess I should take it off. I don't know. I'll have to find something cool to put there instead. In reality, we do not support the mass consumerism. And Yeah, maybe I'll put a fucking charity up there. There you go. That's the Trevor and Jet charity. (laughs) (laughs) I like that. All right. I'll see what I can do. All right. Thanks for listening, everybody. Bye. Bye.